I'll be reading the NIV version of Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Eurydice and plead with Cynthia to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which trans transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Again, rejoice. I want to start this morning by thanking a, a different team of people that are kind of surrounding us this morning. We've got our, our sound and, and tech people up in the balcony who have just been doing an amazing job trying to uh, make this all work and try and make it for, for you at home seem like uh, we all know what we're doing, and they do by now. They've been doing a great job uh, fixing everything and working through some uh, technical issues that we've had uh, different weeks, so Thank you to that group of people. And we've got uh, some different musicians that are actually with us this morning as opposed to just being recorded and uh, the Carpenter Sunday School class that's been helping uh, to sing through some of our songs this morning. Well, we are entering into the last chapter of this study of Philippians that we started back at the beginning of the summer. And uh, I have to kind of keep reminding myself, all the commentaries agree that this was written by Paul back in the first century. And yet, as we have been studying this, as I've been reading these words, it seems like these words are very relevant to our life and to the situations that we're dealing with in 2020. Our scripture this morning that Chet read for us, and thank you, Chet, for uh, reading. And uh, I, we were talking this morning, there aren't too many names uh, to pronounce in Philippians, but two of maybe the hardest in the whole, especially New Testament, are part of our scripture this morning. And this passage is really divided into two sections. 
verses 1 through 3 is kind of a continuation of Paul's thoughts from chapter 3, especially on living as citizens of heaven. And then verses 4 through 9 start to represent a transition to Paul's final words and how the church is called to live in the midst of some difficult circumstances. And so as we take a look at this text this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it continues to speak into our lives. I pray this morning that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you recall our message from a few weeks ago, Paul had told the Philippians that they were supposed to follow his example, as well as the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus, to see their lives and to kind of echo that in the way that they lived their own lives. He had encouraged the Philippians to grow in maturity. He included that uh, not fixating on earthly things, not fixating on the situations and the circumstances that they found right in front of them, but to remember that their citizenship is indeed in heaven, which was an interesting way for Paul to talk about with people that are living in a Roman colony, who were well acquainted with living as Roman citizens. Paul himself is a Roman citizen and yet encourages them to view themselves as citizens of heaven. So in our passage this morning, Paul says, Therefore, stand firm. Hold on to the teaching and the examples that have been set for you in following Jesus. And he pleads with two women, Yodia and Syntyche, uh, to be of the same mind. Some scholars actually suggest that whatever situation, whatever conflict is occurring between these two women may actually be the, the reason that Paul is writing this letter in the first place. There are a number of different possible situations for the debate that's happening. Most likely, these are two women who are helping to lead house churches. We, when we read about the church in Philippi, you know, often we kind of put that in our, in our own context, and we assume it's one group of people that met in one building on one day of the week. And that's not at all the case. That's not what the New Testament church uh, functioned like. They were much more like house churches, meeting in different places in the city at different times, and they would come and worship, they would live together, they would encourage each other, not just on Sunday or one day of the week, but they lived life together. And so these women are responsible for some kind of leadership roles within those house churches. And there is some kind of conflict, something that is happening between these these women uh, that Paul needs to address. Now, Paul doesn't go into great deal about the argument. And so Paul doesn't feel like he needs to take one side or the other. Paul includes these women with the rest of the the co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. And so there's not really an issue of of false teaching. Paul doesn't correct any doctrine here. 
It could be an issue of ministry priorities. They, they see things differently. They have different priorities maybe in the house churches that they are, are leading. Maybe they're debating the color of carpet. Maybe they're debating what kind of coffee uh, they're supposed to serve. But either way, Paul wants them to figure it out. He doesn't take sides. He doesn't feel the need to correct either of them in this situation. But instead, he says, you need to figure out this debate. You need to work through this conflict, and you need to move on. See, there was a reality for the early church that followers of Jesus were forced to figure things out and to work through their disagreements. Because if, if Yodia got upset with Syntyche, she couldn't just, you know, take her offering and, and take her participation and go down to the next church down the road. Because the believers were together. They were forced to figure things out in the shadow of an empire that was not theirs, that they didn't really have control over, that they didn't have voice in. They couldn't go vote for the next emperor. And so Paul encourages them to work it out. If the early church allowed these disputes to, to tear them apart, it ripped at their witness in the community, in the city that they were a part of. And so whatever this debate is that these two women are having, Paul says, work it out, figure it out, be of the same mind. I think this is um, extreme, extremely relevant for what the church is dealing with, especially this year in these times. Um, all kinds of different opinions about all kinds of different things going on. How can we be of one mind, remembering that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven? That we are called to participate in the living out of the kingdom of heaven. So Paul transitions then towards his closing comments, still with the background of living as citizens of heaven. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And oftentimes we, we say those words to be an encouragement to one another, to rejoice, to be happy, be happy. And yet Paul is writing these words in the middle of hard situations. Not everything is just peachy for Paul or for the Philippians or for anyone else, who, any other believers in Jesus who are going to read this letter. They are living in hard circumstances. Paul is writing, rejoice, I will say it again, rejoice, while he's in prison. He's writing, rejoice, I will say it again, rejoice, to the church in Philippi, who has uh, probably suffered some different persecution. Paul had suffered persecution and imprisonment while he was in Philippi. And so it's reasonable to assume that the church, that the, the believers there have continued to uh, have uh, trials and tribulations. And so Paul's joy is not contingent on his circumstances. Paul's joy is based in something else. 
in what he said in in chapter 3, being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Paul's words here, rejoice always, I will say it again, rejoice, carry a, a communal sense. In other words, it's kind of like this. All y'all need to keep rejoicing. Sometimes we needed to, need to be reminded of that as well. Last Sunday, our kids were sharing about how they're coping with and, and dealing with change. And they continue to have situations changing all the time in front of them. And so when we gathered last Sunday evening for our our pop-up praise, our theme was focused on hope. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of hope. I need to be reminded of hope. When I don't feel like it, when I don't feel like rejoicing, when I don't feel like Hope, And when I want to just kind of cave into the, the anxiety and the, the things that are going on around me, which is, is really easy for me to do. I need others around me to remind me of joy and of hope. Paul says to the Philippians, let your gentleness be evident to all. This gentleness is, is characterized by mercy and compassion. Church, we need to be people of mercy and compassion and gentleness. If you turn on the news or you scroll through social media, yikes. It's people tearing one another apart. And so I think there's an important time for the church to be people of mercy and compassion and gentleness in the way we treat one another, in the way we treat those around us. Everyone seems to have an opinion. Everyone thinks that they have the right argument or the right meme uh, that's going to change everyone's minds. And yet when you scroll through, it seems like nobody has their mind changed by, you know, the perfectly crafted post on on Facebook or Instagram or uh, whatever your social media of choice is. I get that it's hard to keep from scrolling. I I get that it's hard to turn those things off, to turn the TV off. It's addicting. We get all riled up and it stirs emotions in us, whether that's that's fear or anger or all kinds of different things. And and those are addicting and, and so we stick in. We keep the news on. You know, I've been thinking about social media and, and what happened to the time when social media was, you know, family update pictures and pictures of cats and amusing things that humans were doing. It was, it was so much more happy. We need to be reminded as a church to let your gentleness be evident to all. And I don't just mean Spring Creek, but I mean Spring Creek too. But as followers of Jesus, what characterizes us? What things are we known for? Paul says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. You know, our not being anxious is is rooted for Paul in the nearness of Christ. In remembering that God is close to us. 
Lynn Kohick, in her commentary, defines anxiety this way. She says, anxiety is worry without purpose or affecting change. Let me say that again. Anxiety is worry without purpose or affecting change. Raise your hand if you've felt anxious at any point during this pandemic or figuring out jobs or or health concerns or kids going back to school. Now, how many of you at home actually raised your hand? I can't see you, um, but I'm sure that you're feeling that way as well. Instead of worrying, Paul says, In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. One of my close friends uh, says it this way when she quotes this verse, which transcends your ability to understand it. A peace that comes and, and we just have no other explanation for. When we step back from the situation, when we remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we get a different perspective on life. We get that peace that we aren't sure, we, we, we don't completely understand. Paul says it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I think about the kids and, and, and their sharing last week, I've been praying for them to find peace that that is certainly uh, above my ability to understand. Sometimes kids understand things better and, and easier than we do as, as adults. I've been praying that for my own kids who are kind of struggling to figure out why is this happening. One of my kids this week just, I said, I said hey, what's going on with you? And, and he said, why is this happening? Why can't things just go back to being normal? And so we pray for peace. Peace that is beyond our ability to understand. And when we have those times where the the anxiety is, is building, when we need to step back and have a different perspective, I think what Paul is encouraging us to do is, is to pray. To just kind of call time out on on life and and to bring our prayers, our petitions, our thanksgiving, our anxiety, our, our, our confessions before him in prayer. Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right or just, these these words are tied to righteousness and and justice. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, that's beyond just being good or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul names some classic virtues, but he wants the Philippians to frame these within the context of the gospel as citizens of heaven. You know, not everything that our society claims as a virtue is actually a Christ-centered understanding of virtue. Let me give you one example. 
for our society, tolerance is a virtue. Now, hear me out on this. Because um, to me, tolerance seems like kind of a, a low bar. If somebody came up to you and said, I tolerate you, you probably wouldn't take that as a compliment. You wouldn't see that as a good thing. Well, uh, they can tolerate me. I guess they can stand to be in my presence. Instead, Jesus calls us to love your neighbor as yourself. It seems like a higher calling. Christian love is not always you do you, but it's how do we follow Christ together? How do we love one another and support one another in hard times and in good times? How do we hold one another accountable? How do we point one another towards Christ? Alternatively, there are some things within our culture, within our society, that we may find redeemable that are good impulses within people, within humanity, and those we can partner with and find ways of pointing them to Jesus. Paul writes, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the, peace, and the God of peace will be with you. Twice this morning in this passage, we hear about God's peace being with us in the middle of hard situations. May the God of peace be with you this week. In your anxious moments, lift your prayers, your petitions, and thanksgiving. And may God's peace, beyond our ability to understand or comprehend it, guard your hearts <clears throat> Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Have a great week, Spring Creek. May God's peace be with all of us.